The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. It's odd watching TV at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That is something we usually don't get to do, but now we have the new TV in here, thanks to Rob Velker, and we have discovered, at least I have, a show that I cannot believe is still on TV. The Steve Wilco Show. Sage just wrinkled her face like, what is that? And it, boy, how do I explain this? It is a mix, in a way of it's truly a mix of like Maury Jerry Springer and Oprah mixed into one where do you come up with the Oprah part of it well okay so it's a wide range of shows Maury isn't that way anymore it's just all lie detector maybe not lie detector but like paternity test right and Oprah her shows can be very dramatic at times, depending on the subject. Okay. But I remember she used to have some real dramatic shows. Sure. Um, and then Jerry Springer, of course. Steve Wilkos used to be Jerry Springer's one of his security guards. And he hosted one time for Jerry. And the whole show, he just got up in a dude's face. He's like, hit me. You piece of trash. Hit me. You hit this lady. You won't hit me. Come on, man. Be a man. And just called him out that whole show. And he got his own show out of that. And I, I don't. I'm guessing this is just a rerun. Maybe it's not on anymore. I oh, I, it's on. I haven't seen it. Oh, you, did you look it up? Yeah, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right I, now. I, it's, it's when did that show start? Oh seven. Yeah, it, fifteen years, and he doesn't look like he's aged today. Bald head looks just as great as ever. <laughs> but I remember watching it in college, and it was, it was mesmerizing TV. Because it was something we had never seen in a talk show slash reality type of show where the actual host of the show is confronting, like getting in the face of this person that did something bad. Or is like, you know, like a deadbeat dad, stand up and be a man, you know, or is, has had like people come on his show, which later on, because they are on that show, charges were filed because they had done something horrendous. Holy and macro. he made it happen. He he got the opportunity on the Springer show because Springer was on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, was that it? That was it. He knocked it out of the park on the one, and Springer's like, oh, he's perfect for Mondays. And now he, he's he's got his own show, and he used to – I know he used to be a cop as well. Chicago cop. Marine. Well, there you go. I mean, he's a natural badass. And he's also a big dude. Yeah, I wouldn't want him in my face. I don't care how old he is. I know he's getting up there in age. He's been doing it a long time. He was Jerry, was Jerry Springer for a long time. Yes, I used to watch that as I mean, as a teenager in those prime years of that show, and also Steve Wilkos, him getting started. Of course, I watched it. It used to come on after Judge Judy. <laughs> now, Troy, I was going to ask you about something. For a minute, okay. So we all know Troy Coverdale here, which, by the way, it's. Me and him, plus Sage Williams, she's back again. And for a while there, you were actually not drinking Diet Coke. 
couple drink, days. You're drinking water. Couple days. What happened? Uh, I found myself tired on the Thursday and just gave in to the heck of it. And you jumped off the wagon quickly, very quickly. And I need to get back on it. I know. I am fully aware. Yes. But like, on a normal day, how often are you drinking water? This is water. Are with you bub- with bubbles and caffeine and syrup? Okay, water without all the junk in it, like you know, maybe like Aquafina. Uh, next to nil. It's no bueno. Sage is like even kind of impressed. Like, how do you do it, man? <laughs> yeah, I've used that with bubbles and syrup, and when I was that line for years, man. Another high school story, I guess. Like, I at one point was like addicted to Dr Pepper mm-hmm. after school. I would go to the nearest gas station, get a 32-ounce Dr. Pepper, and go on with my day. There you go. Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, Diet Coke, three the three uh, big ones in terms of highest caffeine amounts. And it started when I, I started driving to school, because I lived in Morganville, 10 miles away from the high school. Mm-hmm. I had to drive every day. Yep. And sometimes I didn't even do it before school. Take a soda in with me. But it was like constantly for two years. And New Year's Eve 2008, senior. And I'm entering my final final semester. I was like, you know what? What I'm going to do? I'm going to make a New Year's resolution to not drink any soda for a year. And now it's turned into, you know, so long. I was like, I just had to, I had to kick that habit. Bad habit. Um, of course, you know when you're in athletics, mm-hmm. soda is like poison. I mean, it's going to completely throw off your game. You're not going to be where you should be. I remember a coach in junior high. He noticed like because we had a break between school and practice. Shout to Coach Steppy, and he was like, "I can tell you, some of you have had soda because we we were unbalanced. Like your balance is thrown off when you have soda." I've learned. And he's just like, I could tell. You guys just you're you're not going one hundred percent. You're getting tired quicker. Like you're not right. You're not right right now. Soda will just completely throw you off balance for something like athletics. And so I like I I took that to heart and then when I wasn't doing athletics to the gas station I went for sodas. Here's the worst part of all of it for me is that I got hooked back into it at overstress, essentially. But when I went into the hospital with my congestive heart failure and for about the 12 months uh, after, I could only do between 64 and 92 ounces of water a day. Wow. Of liquid a yeah. day, period. I mean, it, it, you know, I, say, I say water, but liquid a day. Yeah. That's how limited I was on that. Um there were a lot of Jolly Ranchers eaten during Jolly that Ranchers? time frame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To make up for the fact that that literally uh it was a glass of water at breakfast, a glass of water at lunch, and yeah, it was exceptionally limited throughout. All right, no rule on the show. Nobody's allowed to bring anything in studio when it comes to liquid other than water. Starting Monday. (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you, you do what you want to do. I, you know, I, I don't know. I just. No, I'm not anti-soda. You know what I mean? I know it has. I'm anti-caffeine. I am anti-caffeine. It because I know how addictive it can be. This has been my coffee for so long. I know, and I'm not a coffee drinker either. I don't. I'm sure. I mean, is is one? I'm sure one's healthier than the other. Like coffee's in a way. Coffee's much stronger in terms of the caffeine, though. Yeah, exactly. So this, this is just just. This is just the matter of the delivery device is all it is. All right, let's jump to uh, what I saw earlier today from CBSSports.com. I thought this would be fun content to bring up right off the bat uh, because I think everybody would have their own ranking. It's And it's hard to do. It is the 2022 Big 12 Top 10 Coaches for this upcoming football season. I'm like, well, I mean, where do you exactly do you – are you going to rank this? Like overall work or the work they've done – Comparing this past season to recruiting for this upcoming season, working the transfer portal, where you're predicting their team to go in 2022. It seems like CBSSports.com was trying to play by their own rules, but the way they've kind of gone with it, I think it failed a little bit. So one and two, I'm not going to argue, Mike Gundy and Dave Aranda, the two coaches that made it to the Big 12 championship this past season. Uh, I would maybe give the nod to Dave Aranda although I mean Mike Gundy it seems like he's done a decent job potentially reloading it's hard to tell like on paper and who's returning I'm not that high on Oklahoma State not like what they did this past season their defense won't be nearly Mm -hmm. as good I would give Dave Aranda the nod over Mike Gundy before I say three I'm going to go to four. Number four is K-State. I think this is more proof that it's not just us around here in our bubble, our K-State bubble, that think the Cats, at the very least, are a dark horse contender for the Big 12 championship. I think the the Big 12 poll certainly says that. And now see, it, it, they're not the first to put things out like this. I mean, you, you look at preseason predictions on K-State from many outlets. Athlon is one that says, you know, K-State is certainly a dark horse for the Big 12 championship. But now, you know, Chris Kleiman, the reasons giving is showing consistently, a, a consistency, a couple of eight-win seasons. All the talent that K-State has, you can argue, that K-State, the Big 12 preseason team, the players that showed up shows that K-State has the most returning playmaking type of talent, which I totally agree with. Mm-hmm. The six that landed, that was the most out of anybody. And that's the most K-State's ever had on that um, on that team, that preseason team in the Big 12 in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I think that shows a lot. And now CBS Sports has noticed that you know, Chris, Chris Kleiman, you know, even though you know, he's losing that star quarterback that really had a grind through last year when he went down with a couple of injuries, but got him back for that Oklahoma game, got that loud reaction, and just in time for the bowl game against LSU. Even though LSU was very down, of course, for that bowl game. But now they've had to try to move on. And, but you know, Chris Kleiman really addressed the areas that they needed to address with the transfer portal. Decided to go with the transfer quarterback. The guys behind him not ready. But Adrian Martinez is probably, I mean, he's going to have to be ready to go, but he probably is going to be ready to go. 
and uh, we'll just see how he fits in and how things go, and hopefully things get cleaned up from like the turnovers type of thing. But you know, defense uh, you know, got some solid starters, but the depth is going to be a question mark. At number four, I think that's very respectable for Chris Kleiman. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a, a, a right on spot. However, oh boy, number three is Matt Campbell, <laughs> and I'm like, guys, let's it's. He he is a good coach. I think he is a good coach. Actually heard someone yesterday in a conversation talking about Harbaugh's situation up at Michigan because of how he misplayed the Vikings' interest in him as a potential coach. The, the, the general feeling being that Harbaugh believed he was getting the Vikings job, period, and that was what he was headed up there for. Not that it was going to be a job interview. So then he comes back. Recruiting's not been good for Michigan. And the analyst made the comment that, honestly, Michigan probably should have just cut right then and there and hired Matt Campbell. And I about fell out of my chair. (laughs) Because there again, here's a national honk trying to tell us that Matt Campbell is this great coach. I don't get it. I, I mean, I think he's a good coach. I really do. Like, I, I'm not going to hark on him like a lot of people do, except the, the only thing is, like, all that talent coming back last year, finishing with seven wins, that was a disaster. Mm-hmm. I would imagine Iowa State fans, you would, you got to look at that as a, as, a, as a failure. Because, to me, Iowa State last year was K-State in 2012. All that returning talent. K-State did not get the love even close to what Mm -hmm. Iowa State did coming into this last season. They were preseason top 10. And they finished with seven wins. But that talent is not coming back. Most of it, with the exception of just a couple of guys, most of that talent, that key talent from last year, is gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Mr. Irrelevant is gone. He's not coming back. Brees Hall's not coming back. Charlie Kohler is not coming back. It's a big reload phase. And I mentioned this not too long ago where Matt Campbell, I mean, now he's trying to prove he's not a one-hit wonder with Iowa State. Right. And I would not put Matt Campbell in that three spot right now. That, to me, just it's too much based off previous – Years and I don't think that's fair. Leading into what's coming up this year, again, I don't. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's done some great things for Iowa State, made them relevant and maybe way too relevant. But underachieved big time, big time last year. I mean, if we're based basing this ranking on what's to come this upcoming season, Chris Kleiman should be ahead of Matt Campbell, guys. Now, number five, go ahead. About the worst thing that they could do beyond that would put Lance Leipold above either one of them. Well, Lance Leipold, I'll get there here in a second. I'll give you five, six, and seven. Number five is Sonny Dykes at TCU. Number six is Steve Sarkeesian, Texas. And number seven, lackluster Lance Leipold of the Kansas Jayhawks. And I can go ahead and give you the rest of the list as well. Number eight is Brent Venables at Oklahoma. Number nine is Neil Brown at West Virginia. Number 10, Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. Think about Joey McGuire. I mean, the first thing that pops out to me is, yeah, first-year head coach, first-time head coach, right? Correct. And 
that that team is not ready to go to be successful. No, they are going to be inexperienced. Uh, I didn't play close attention. Didn't really look a whole lot up about the recruiting that they did. I know that they he was able to flip a couple of guys, uh, but even in the transfer portal, does not seem like they're going to be anywhere close to a top five type of team in the Big Twelve. Right. Neil Brown has been lackluster as well. Just has a tough time trying to get to above 500. He's done it just once in three years. That is not what West Virginia fans expect. And how dare them put Brent Venables at number eight? Listen. Serious disrespect. You, you want to talk about one of the most you know talented coordinators that became, became a head coach in not just this transition, but just previously. I mean, one of the most sought-after coordinators in Oklahoma was able to get him. I mean, Oklahoma is going to be least in the next couple of years, probably just fine. Plus, I mean, number two class when it comes to recruiting in the mm-hmm. year 2022. So that didn't – they didn't really pump the brakes there. Texas, by the way, is number one. And they picked up a highly regarded quarterback recruit. When the Elite 11 was going on, you had the guy who's already committed to Oklahoma helping lead that charge down there while Avery Johnson was performing well to be in the pack. You had a guy already committed to OU comes out of that pack number one. And you know, so they're already even looking towards one heck of a class for 2023. And Steve Sarkeesian above Sonny Dykes, I thought that took some cojones. Yes. I could see that. But I, I see, but the thing is, like, I, I, I put it kind of in the same area as Matt Campbell because Steve Sarkeesian is being punished for in this ranking, and as I see it, because the season last year they finished with five wins. And Matt Campbell is not. Matt Campbell is still getting a lot of love. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because Matt Campbell's getting a lot of love when he should be getting the blame for what took place last year. Steve Sarkeesian is taking the heat for what took place last year at Texas when he should be praised for taking over a program that, by all rights, was very thin, poorly structured, bad discipline, and he got five wins out of them. Honestly, he he improved them from probably what they should have been. Now, does that mean that he's a great coach? No. I mean, he's he's an okay coach and still makes me laugh that it, that he's getting that shot at Texas of all places again. Now, I mean, for anybody that's to put together a list like this, it's very difficult, I think, to make decisions on who should be above the other if you really factor in a lot of things you should be from previous success to transition from last year to this year, how how well you've done to get ready for this upcoming season. But if I were just to rank these coaches when it comes to really all the above, um, and see, like even, even if I'm mapping out in my head, I'm still having a tough time putting it together in the order I think everybody deserves, mm-hmm. but... Honestly, like heading into this year, I mean, Dave Aranda has done an amazing job. I might have to put him one with Gundy two, um, put Kleiman three, Brett Venables at number four, Sarkeesian five, Matt Campbell six. Um, let's go 
Who am I missing here? Uh, let's go Sonny Dyke, 7. Neil Brown, 8. Leipold, 9. And Joey McGuire, 10. Yeah, that sounds about right. I would agree with that. I mean, mockingly, I'd put Matt Campbell down closer to Lance Leipold, but that's just me being me. <laughs> well, I'm about to really be me here in just a second because when oh, we boy. come back, um, boy, some late the latest allegations when it comes to a Fortune 500 company majority shareholder does not surprise me at all. That's next. What is this song? It's Harry Styles, his latest. Oh, you don't have to yell at me. <laughs> I couldn't tell you one Jonas Brothers slash Harry Styles slash uh, B2K or whatever they're called. BTS? Uh, BTS. Yeah. At least he went B2K instead of going uh, Y2K with it. I knew there was a B in there. Boomer. <laughs> what are they called again? B- BTS? BTS. What does that stand for? Does it stand for anything? Not that I know of. But then again, I don't pay attention to K-pop. It says, well, they're a Korean pop band. It says Bangton Boys? I don't know. I don't know either. Weird. Who else can I name a song by? Um, the Weeknd. Kid Cudi? <laughs> <laughs> I just threw somebody out there. Okay, Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, boy, uh, some huge news came out earlier today. This has nothing to do with conference realignment. which Money, we, money, uh, money. Might touch on, this at, touch on that at 510. Uh, just kind of get caught up to date with what's going on apparently maybe some votes might be going down today i don't know we'll see but uh as a big wrestling fan i have been losing respect for vince mcmahon the owner of the wwe almost daily over the last handful of years and you can thank um the dark side of the ring documentary for helping get that going it's been really good but uh, the latest details have emerged about hush money allegedly paid by Vince McMahon to silence women. So this was reported by the Wall Street Journal today. He said the former CEO of WWE alleged paid over $12 million to four women. It was just one uh, a few weeks ago. Now it's up to four with ties to the company over a 16-year period as part mm. of a non-disclosure agreement to keep them quiet about their sexual relationships, and to stymie sexual misconduct claims against him. And it is alleged that he paid $1 million in 2006 to a former manager who alleged a sexual relationship with him, paid $1 million in 2008 to a contractor who claimed Vince McMahon sent her unsolicited nude photos and also claimed he sexually harassed her, paid $7.5 million in 2018 to a former wrestler who claimed that he pressured her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and declined to renew her contract in 2005. I believe I figured out who that was 
No, no reason to really drop the name because I'm not exactly 100% and has not been listed in this report. And paid $3 million to a former paralegal he allegedly had a sexual relationship with. And that was reported uh, last month. And also, that paralegal was also allegedly also involved with John Laronitis, who was the head of talent relations of the WWE. WWE confirmed last month a special committee on of the board was investigating misconduct allegations against Vince McMahon and John Laronitis. And the company has also said that Vince has voluntarily stepped away from his CEO role. And uh, Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, his real-life daughter, uh, will be taking over those jobs as interim CEO. Now, of course, these are all allegations. You've got to be very careful about um, – because I, I, I certainly am a believer of innocent until proven guilty. Um, however, I got to say, just from what I know previously that has been alleged – things that we do know for a fact about Vince McMahon um, through really the last almost 40 years, Mm -hmm. it does not surprise me that these things are starting to come out. There's a lot of smoke there. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. And I think that smoke is now leading us to Mm -hmm. the fire. Women are now starting to speak out. I mean, a huge reason why the WWE was so successful in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, I mean, not only was it the talent that they have developed, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, I can keep going on. It was a much edgier content of wrestling where it used to be just directed towards children. And now that's actually the direction they're in now, mostly towards children with the PG product. But women were also exploited. Mm-hmm. And to where they would be taking off their clothes. It's a wide variety of things. I'll just put it that way. Let's remember, this is also the head of a football league where, hey, we're going to take you into the cheerleaders locker room. I forgot about that. The XFL. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. That was definitely a WWE twist to a football broadcast. Uh, but it goes back further than that. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring, that documentary series, also covered uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka and what happened back in 1983. So he was dating a woman at the time. It was a very toxic relationship because of him, and she had accused him on multiple occasions of assaulting her. Superfly Snuka assaulting her. And at one point, she had reached out to Vince McMahon to say, hey, he is doing all this. I want to press charges. Um, and Vince McMahon simply talked her out of it. And then what happens not long after that, it is alleged, and it's been the story for a very long time, that Jimmy Snuka ended up killing her. Oof. And when Vince McMahon was questioned about what happened... And the, the police had found out that they had had the, the, the girlfriend and Vince McMahon had had discussions about Jimmy Superfly Snuka. He had denied that they ever talked. Mm. But the thing about that was after she had talked to her family and talked to Vince McMahon about what had been taking place and thought about pressing charges, which at one point she did. After talking to Vince McMahon, she went back to her family and said... Nah, it it was my fault. Hmm. I'm not going to press charges now. Mm -hmm. What's on my face? 
I screwed up. Yeah, that's on me. And it doesn't end there. I mean, outside of a relationship or anybody cheating on anybody or domestic violence or anything like that, the Owen Hart situation. You would have thought that any semblance of propriety, any semblance of empathy in that situation, and the entire thing comes to a halt that night. That's that's one thing. The the show not coming to a, a stop once Owen fell from the ceiling of Kemper Arena in Kansas City. But we found out from the lawsuit where Owen's widow filed, and she wanted justice. She didn't want no settlement. She wanted justice. Mm-hmm. They ended up settling. That's what a, a rich man who's been accused of all sorts of things ends up doing is settling out of court. Sounds familiar. But we later found out that that night, Vince McMahon was looking for a cheaper solution to pull off this stunt. Mm-hmm. They hired a different crew, which previously was the same crew that was rigging Sting in WCW doing the same thing, and they ended up using equipment that took six pounds of pressure to release a man 80 feet above ground. But it was it was a cheaper way of doing it. Oh, man. Not to mention now being in cahoots with Saudi Arabia to put on all these shows. And of course, to say the least, a very sexist country. Mm-hmm. While previously WWE has really battled to show that they are about equality, which they have thanks to Stephanie McMahon. Right. I could go on and on. But I will. I, I'm just trying to say, anything alleged towards Vince McMahon does not shock me because there's already been issues in the past that have been settled with money. McMahon has always, to me, been an interesting case study because he took what was a regional sport, regional entertainment, and turned it a into regional sports entertainment. And it turned it into a national entity. As a businessman, he is a genius. He And he did it by essentially following the KISS tactic. Fireworks. Turned it into a rock concert, essentially. Yeah. And it paid off in spades. Well, it also helped that when you decide to change the way you're going to format your show, instead of having these insane characters that nobody would ever like um like a clown even though actually the clown kind of kind of got over but a man that looked like a manitar i could go on about the dumb gimmicks they used to have Mm -hmm. but they went with more of an edgier content to where you know guys were just kind of portraying their real life but in a exaggerated way um women taking off their clothes steve austin giving the middle finger every hour of the show to his opponent cussing yeah beer it, it got edgier and and that was that they had to do it to compete with wcw that was one of the most intriguing things about anything in in sports history was the monday night wars and the ratings war when they were battling against each other you want to talk about cutthroat it was cutthroat and it's extremely interesting that's the fan in me where i'm at now I am just so fascinated about the way the business works. But 
how did Vince McMahon respond to the first allegation? The next night, he went on TV. I'm thinking to myself, you just stepped down yeah, as yeah. CEO. We, we talked about it day of that you were you were questioning and and you took the guess that he would still wind up on TV. And you questioned how smart that was. He went on TV, SmackDown, which is on Friday, like after all these allegations, will he show up tonight on TV? I don't know. But he went on TV to just talk about fans. Remember the signature we played before the show in the four words, then, now, forever, and together. And he said, together is the most important word and left. He was out there 60 seconds and left. And I've been reading these reports today. Thank you to the dirt sheets. When I say the word dirt sheet, it sounds like I'm talking about tabloids. But dirt sheets are used by wrestling companies to push a little bit of information out there, maybe to get interest of what fans might think of a certain situation in wrestling. And also these dirt sheets have inside sources. A lot of their sources are the wrestlers. And it's been very it's been reported today that when Vince McMahon returned backstage after delivering that very short promo about after the first allegation, the first two words out of his mouth, he yelled, F him. So I will never watch WWE until he is out. I don't know. To, to most, I'm sure that won't sound like the biggest stand in the world. Like, I'm really stepping up to him. It's been going downhill anyway with him. He is still in control of creative Mm. The way shows go, he's not in charge, but he's in charge. Mm -hmm. It's just a different face that has a CEO role, and it's his very respectable daughter, Stephanie. So which I makes just want it, to get a few things off my chest. Which makes it all the worse, to be perfectly honest. Just adds to it in that you're asking her to step in and basically whitewash what's going on behind the scenes. All right, since we're uh, both out at 5.30, which after, after 5.30 we'll, we'll give you a couple of best of segments from this week, uh, but, but uh, Troy and I will both be leaving. We've got some things to get to um, after that 5.30 uh, into the show, live show. Uh, since we're stopping at 5.30 with the live show, that means we're going to bring you some number one song of the day next. got the subs rocking today. In the trunk of my 2007 Impala. Oh, wait. From the year 1990, Vogue by Madonna. Three weeks at number one. Singer, songwriter, dancer, and actress from Bay City, Michigan. Returned, referred to as the Queen of Pop. Moved to New York City in 78, pursue a music and dance career. She was performing with a couple of bands. She played the drums, guitar, she sang. And then she rose to stardom as a solo artist in 83. And man, was, is she a superstar still today. Sales of over 300 million records worldwide. She is the best-selling female recording artist of all time. And she is the most successful
Okay. I should have noticed the recording yeah. was a little heavy on the bass. Oh, well. Uh, but she is the most successful solo artist in the history of the United States. Billboard Hot 100 says that she holds the record for most number one singles by a female artist in Australia, Canada, Italy, Spain, and the UK. And she has made over $1.5 billion in concert ticket sales. That is the highest grossing solo touring artist of all time. Yeah, a legend. We get it, Madonna. People love you. You're awesome. I actually, I think I like her more as an actress. Which she was a surprise as an actress. People felt that she was going to be actually very shallow, given that they didn't have a lot of respect for her pop sound in the early days of her career. This song was one that kind of fell off that trend, actually moved her more towards where her music ability was respected. Okay. In that, you know, Holiday was never seen as anything but pop, bubblegum pop. She was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2008. 14 studio albums, 49 top 40 hits, eight of this is her eighth of 12 number one hits. Now, this was also included in Madonna's album called I'm Breathless, which was inspired by the movie Dick Tracy, which she was mm-hmm. in that movie with Warren Beatty. And uh, hard-boiled detective Dick Tracy, played by Warren Beatty, is searching for evidence that proves... Alfonsi, am I saying that right? Big Daddy, I guess is his name. I've never seen the movie. Is the city's most dangerous crime boss. He may have found the key to unraveling the crime lord's illegal empire in Breathless Mahoney, played by Madonna. A singer who has witnessed some of the crimes firsthand. However, she seems more set on stealing Dick away from his girlfriend, Tess. Then helping him solve the case of his career. 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Do I need to see it? No. When I think of uh, Madonna interacting, all the way, May. Loved Madonna in a league of their own. Apparently, Rosie O'Donnell's going to be in the spinoff series that's coming related to a league of their own, but it would be a different role, by the way. Um, I find that unnecessary. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who she would play based on the show. Right. Because, of course, younger women with the older manager but a male. Unless she plays a manager, but I don't know. However yeah, I, they I don't know do how, how tight to the story that they're going to try to be or, or just what the plans are there. Now, this song is about not Vogue the magazine, about voguing, which was a dance craze. Lord help us. It was popular in the LGBTQ community where dancers used uh, elaborate hand gestures. Sage was just doing them and frequently stopping to pose. And this song brought the dance style to the mainstream. All we needed were cell phones. Madonna, this made her an icon with the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And also what is also famous about this song is the music video because it's Shot in black and white. Inspiration came from like the 1920s and 1930s. Madonna and her dancers are seen 
voguing to different choreographed moves in the video has been ranked as one of the greatest of all time by different critics and polls and won three awards at the 1990 MTV Video Music Awards. It had nine nominations. The word Vogue, very fashionable word in 1990. And not only did this song chart uh, top the charts, but the magazine Vogue did enjoy a resurgence at the time, <laughs> thanks to Madonna and also the band In Vogue, because they yep. had a hit come out yep. of, at a very similar time called Hold On. Worldwide, it became the world's best-selling single of 1990, selling over 6 million copies. Talking about rolling in that dough. Rolling Stone ranked it on their top 500 songs. Where is it at, guys? Oh, did you already see? Say Jordy Stone. Do you want to take a guess? 127. You're not off. You're not too far off. 139. Thank you. All right, um, let's take a very quick break. Sam Honeybun's going to give us a movie preview when we come back after these words. All right, Steve Wilkos, he's almost done. Is a chair been thrown or anything? <laughs> no, nope, right? not yet. All right. Well, Sam Honeybun's actually getting ready to leave us here in a couple of weeks, but he's still, while here, he's going to give us movie previews and movie reviews. It's Friday. Time for a movie preview. I'm Sam Honey, taking a look at this weekend's coming attractions. And of course, we only have one movie coming to cinemas this weekend, and there's a reason for that. It's a Marvel movie. Thor Love and Thunder finds Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced a quest for inner peace. But his retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer known as Gore the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale, who seeks the extinction of gods. To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson, Korg, played by Taika Waititi, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, who, to Thor's surprise, wields his magic hammer Mjolnir as the mighty Thor. Thor Love and Thunder is rated PG-13 and has a running time of two hours and five minutes. It also has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that will wrap up this week's movie preview. Listen in on Monday for the Micro Movie Minute of Thor Love and Thunder. I have already seen it, so let's just say, uh, yeah, don't get your hopes up. Oh! Dang. Well, how about that? I thought, I've seen one of the Thor movies. I thought it was pretty good. Now, um, I'll be honest with you, though, I was listening to a lot of just the, um, Sweet Child of Mine in the background. A short hour, too. We're out at 5.30 coming up next, but right now, your local news.